Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. We had a historic meeting and decided to leave the past behind and we are about to sign a historic document. He really wants to do a great job for North Korea. I think he wants to denuke. It's very important. Uh, without that, there's nothing to discuss. That was on the table at the beginning and you see a total denuclearization of North Korea. So important. And he wants to do the right thing. Well, the first voice was a translator for Kim Jong-un, obviously, and the second one was a translator for Donald Trump. No, I'm just kidding. As though you didn't know. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making The Green Show part of your weekend, Father's Day weekend. Uh, this hour, we're going to be looking at the last 10 to 14 days in uh, global politics and developments, and certainly what's affected this country, we're going to be speaking with Professor Christopher Adams, political scientist based at St. Paul's College in Winnipeg, a little later about um, Mr. Trudeau's, Mr. Trump's attacks on Mr. Trudeau. And uh, Tom Quiggan will be with us, primary contributor to the podcast, The Quiggan Report. He was an arms control inspector under the Vienna Document and the Conventional Forces in Europe Treaty. Tom is a fairly regular contributor to this program, which we appreciate, so we'll talk to Tom shortly, about what would happen as far as arms control inspections are concerned if, in fact, Kim and North Korea agrees to denuclearize. And I was in touch with um, Colonel Peter Mansour, the former executive officer to General David Petraeus in Iraq. He's a professor at Ohio State University and the author of Surge, my journey with General David Petraeus and the remaking of the Iraq War. And I contacted Colonel Mansour earlier in the week, and I asked him by way of email what he thought the uh, situation was that had developed between North Korea and the United States. Colonel Mansour, may, may I read the, uh, the email before you get into it? Oh, sure. Yeah, as well as Kim Jong-un getting a photo op and the suspension of U.S. ROK, that's Republic of Korea, military exercises, while the United States gets promises. NK2, USA 0. So a shout-out for the North Korean leader. Um, explain that to us, please. Yeah, it's a good World Cup score. and It is, isn't it? You, given that the U.S. team isn't even in the World Cup, I think it's a, it's a very fitting uh, parallel. Um, 
you know, North Korea came to the summit. They had specific goals. Uh, President Trump came to the summit, and he thought his uh, peculiar brand of personal magnetism would somehow uh, seal the deal. And um, he was enamored with the promises that Kim Jong-un gave to denuclearize. He thought that was somehow a big breakthrough, not understanding that those promises had been given about four or five times in the past and not followed through on. And uh, in return, uh, uh, North Korea asked uh, for us to suspend our military training exercises with South Korea, and the president agreed without any quid pro quo on, uh, on North Korea's side. And, and so it is, um, it's, it's truly um, outrageous that, uh, you know, we came into the summit so unprepared and, uh, and, and left it really with nothing. The, the language of the, of the memo <clears throat> that was agreed on is uh, actually less restrictive than the language of the memos that have uh, been agreed on in the past that, uh, again, have not been followed through on. So I, um, I don't think this is peace in our time, uh, and um, I think Donald Trump got played. So you're not expecting uh, North Korea to denuclearize? I don't think that will be the case at all. Um, they they would want a process where over a period of 15 or 20 years, step by step, they they denuclearize. In the meantime, they want a, the, the sanctions to be lifted. And, um, you know, if possible, U.S. troops um, uh, are presence on the Korean Peninsula reduced or eliminated. I mean, this is this would be their going in position. Uh, our position, I would think, would be uh, you denuclearize totally and and in a fairly rapid manner, and um, and then we'll we'll lift the sanctions. There's a huge gap between those two positions, and I don't know how the language of this memo that was agreed on squares the circle in that regard. Uh, it, how do you expect President Trump to respond? I mean, he said that he would know within 60 seconds who he was dealing with, whether he was dealing with somebody he could do business with, he being Kim. Uh, how do you expect the president to respond if over a fairly short period of time it becomes quite obvious that North Korea isn't interested in following through on anything President Trump thinks they're going to follow through on? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. We have a, a president who enrages our enemies and uh, and sucks up to our or enrages our allies and sucks up to our enemies. And uh, he he is enamored with uh, strong leaders around the world, uh, authoritarian leaders, uh, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong Un, uh, you know Duterte in the Philippines and others. Um, you know he 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 just is. There's a magnetism about him that it draws him to strong men. Uh, regardless of the political system that they represent. Um, so I don't know how he would react if all of a sudden uh, North Korea um, would, you know, backs out of it, some sort of complete denuclearization or rapid denuclearization. My guess is North Korea would know how to play him, um, and they would be, you know, the Chinese would be whispering in their ear, mm-hmm. uh, just flatter his ego and you'll get what you want. And so far that's worked pretty well. Don't let him take it personally. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, hold a big military parade for him in Pyongyang and tell him he's the, the greatest man ever, and, and you know, you basically get your way. I think maybe Prime Minister Trudeau needs to take a page <laughs> out of that playbook. Do you think the situation with North Korea and their nukes has actually become more 
maybe dangerous is a strong word, but I'll use it. Is it more more dangerous than it might have been uh, more dangerous now than it might have been a month ago? Um, no, I think uh, it, it's pretty clear that President Trump is backing off the fire and fury rhetoric. Um, there has been some movement on North Korea's side to eliminate their uh, at least a couple of their test sites. Uh, and so actually the movement is in the right direction. Uh, the end game is what's very unclear. So I, I don't know that there's a, a, a real threat of conflict uh, right, right now. It certainly, I think, has, has lessened from six months ago. So a couple of years ago, the concern the military had with the man was with the man who was in the White House, Barack Obama, for doing virtually nothing, having red lines in Syria, which meant nothing. Now there's President Trump, who uh, is a strong supporter of the military, reminds us about that on a regular basis. But now the military is looking at what he's done in, in that meeting with Kim. Do military leaders quietly prep for any number of possible scenarios with Kim, regardless of President Trump's apparent enthusiasm? Absolutely. I, I think uh, my guess is, even though the exercises have been canceled, <clears throat> they may um, they may still hold some sort of uh, computer war games and so forth to prepare for any number of options, whether it be a North Korean attack or a North Korean collapse, uh, both of which would require some sort of a military response by uh, South Korea and the United States. So, um, you know, life goes on for the military. They take their orders from the president and they'll follow through. But they're also, go you know, going to make sure that their their sabers re remain sharp and, and uh, that they're ready for any contingency. You know, one, one final thought, Colonel Mentor. Um, I, I was thinking, or my overriding thought was, yeah, I, I expect them to show some collegiality, and I expect Donald Trump to be doing some fist-pumping and shoulder-grabbing, and, uh, hey, we're both guys, and we'll go bowling after this is all over. But he would s maintain some distance because of the, the threats that uh, Kim Jong-un had directed toward the United States as recently as weeks ago. That was not apparent. It isn't apparent now. Uh, I'm Honestly, I was surprised at how this turned out, how buddy-buddy how they became at a time when there was, this was way too early for that kind of relationship to be to be uh, described by the President of the United States. Yeah, I, I think you have to remember that this is not about the United States in the President's mind. It's about the President. Um, and provided his ego is, uh, uh, you know, assuaged and... Uh, and that he comes out of any sort of meeting looking good, um, then he will be buddy-buddy with whoever's on the other side of the table. Um, you know, I, uh, I think he's doing a disservice to the United States and our allies uh, by, um, you know, sucking up to our enemies and enraging our friends. The, the tweets he made about your prime minister is an example of that. Um, but it's what we're going to have to live with until there's another, you know, election in the United States, at least, in, and maybe six more years. So this is the new normal, unfortunately, for this administration. And, um, you know, we've got to buckle up our seatbelts because it's going to be a bumpy ride from this point on. Colonel Mansour, always good talking to you. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Roy. Uh, Colonel Peter Mansour, who was the executive officer to General David Petraeus in Iraq, who was also a, a tank commander in uh, brigade tank commander in, in Europe with NATO. And uh, his book, 
is just um, well, it's a fabulous read about um, about uh, Iraq and the surge. And it's titled "Surge: My Journey with General David Petraeus and the Remaking of the Iraq War." When we come back, let's just say that Kim Jong Un does in fact move to denuclearize North Korea. What kind of arms inspection is going to be required? Our good friend Tom Quiggin, who participates on this program quite regularly, Canadian and a primary contributor to the podcast The Quiggin Report, will join me. He was an arms control inspector in Europe. And we'll ask Tom how arms control inspection might go if North Korea and nuclear weapons were involved. 